Well, this is a manufactured problem. President Trump is not going to fire Mueller. Mueller is going to be allowed to do his job. Manufactured problem. That is true. The whole Whitaker-Mueller probe. And ah, we, we should get into this at some point. So Jeff Flake of Arizona said he will not allow any judges to be confirmed until legislation is passed guaranteeing Mueller's safety, which is just re-freaking-diculous. So you might have 23 federal judges that don't get confirmed that Trump wants because of this dumb concern that Trump's going to shut down the Mueller probe, which would never happen. And if it did, the political ramifications would take care of it anyway. The entirety of the Republican leadership of the Senate says that's not going to happen. We won't let it. Right. So you don't need a law. And there are reasons why a law would be bad anyway. Well, and you, it's almost purely symbolic, you isn't d- it? You don't want special counsels to be beyond reproach, where they could just do anything and right. get away with it. You need checks and balances. And there are currently. The Senate has said, McConnell has said, look, um, if if Trump fires him, we're, we're not going to put up with it. Right. Uh, well, Jeff, Jeff Flake, I'd like to wish you luck in your run for the presidency, either as a Democrat or some sort of new Republican right. uh, vying with John Kasich for that role. That is precisely what he's doing. And it's rather obvious. I didn't mean to get off on that because I wanted to mention the reason we played Lindsey Graham is so Chuck Grassley's retiring, not from the Senate, but as the chair of the Judiciary Committee. Um, they do that. I guess Republicans do that. They, they rotate out after a certain amount of time. So guess who's going to be the new chair? Of the Judiciary Committee coming up. My boy. Because the Republicans still control the Senate. Lindsey Graham. My boy. Who gave the impassioned speech during the whole Kavanaugh thing. He's the man in charge. At least he can spit out a sentence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least he's not 89 years old. Yeah. With so, all due respect. That seems like an upgrade to me. Senator Grassley, who saw the buffalo roaming the American plains. <laughs> fabulous memories. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, let's youth it up and nur. Up and nur. So a little change of topic here. This is uh, the following discussion will be based in large part upon a piece in the Orange County Register. So there will be uh, references to OC, um, which is fine, but it really applies to uh, the whole state of California. I have kids uh, scattered over the West Coast and indeed one going to school in the East where it's snowing right now. Um, and uh, please, uh, the great Northwest, where we are more than honored to be heard every single day, uh, turn all of your fans southward and blow the rain down south, please. Um, this uh, primarily has to do with California, which catches on fire all year round now, as opposed to the Northwest, which is restricts itself to several months a year. But um, the biggest campaign donations in Corruptifornia over the last five years, the utility companies, the biggest briber, <coughs> excuse me, allergies, <laughs> supporters of campaigns, writers of campaign checks are the utilities. Top political contributor. It's funny. I've never heard of them. Pacific Gas and Electric. You could wonder why the utility companies need to lobby hardly at all, let alone be the top lobbying group. Second place. Sempra Energy, parent of San Diego Gas and Electric. Why? Who knew? And Edison International, the parent of Southern California Edison. Let me make sure I'm understanding that correctly. I certainly think I do, as my reading skills have been at grade level or better since I was quite young. Um, But I do not want to make a mistake on this because... I don't want to impugn anybody falsely, and I'm about to do some serious impugning. <laughs> uh, uh, 
Let's see. The giveaway was that Joe was wearing his impugning shoes. Yes. Yeah, okay. All right, now I, I see the list. Okay, cool. We'll get back to that in a moment. Uh, next largest donors were healthcare insurers and providers. Um, uh, the three largest of them, by the way, spent $96.2 million in the last, I think it's five years, to make their views known to the public. <laughs> and power elite, make their views known. That's a funny way to describe lobbying. That's unquestionably part of lobbying. Um, but since uh, Adam Winkler, professor of law at UCLA, I can only assume he's closely related to Henley, Henry Winkler. Hey! TV's the Fonz. And he's heard that joke so many times since the 70s, he's ready to commit a murder. But moving along, since Citizens United, much of the public debate over corporate money and politics has emphasized federal elections. But at the federal level, there is a lot of money, a lot more money spent on elections, so a corporate dollar isn't as influential. At the local level, corporations can more easily dominate political spending. Interesting. That is unquestionably true. Um, of the $53.5 million PG&E spent in 2009 and 10, the overwhelming majority of it, $48 million, was unleashed after the Citizens United. Economic per- I'm hearing voices again. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, that's that's really getting into campaign finance, which is not my purpose here. It's absolutely a worthy uh, discussion to have in, in a complicated one, but I don't want to get hung up on it because uh, it's a tangent. Uh, all right, moving along. We, uh, we asked an array of scholars, lawyers, and consumer advocates to take a look at the... Uh, at PG&E's incredibly high score at the Center for Political Accountability's index that measures political discourse and accountability. Uh, They didn't much like what they saw, the scholars. The data certainly illuminates an intriguing dynamic. It is amazing what huge amounts of money can be contributed to the political process when your company doesn't have to worry about increasing revenue or profits in order to make such contributions. Uh, The firms giving the largest amounts are regulated and or reimbursed by either state or federal governments for their expenses. Oh, really? And that is the key and the reason I brought this up. This is not only ratepayer money, but taxpayer money that's going to lobby the government to do what's good not for the taxpayers and ratepayers, but for the company, who I'm sure would argue with with great skill and aplomb that, oh, no, we're looking out for ratepayers. We love, we love our people. Blah, 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 blah. Um, but so understand this. If there's some weird year and they don't make a lot of profit, it doesn't matter. They can still free up t- millions and millions and millions of dollars to make those political bribes, contributions, <clears throat> again, my allergies acting up, uh, because they will be uh, supported or reimbursed by the state or feds. Uh, your number one example, says the uh, poli-sci teacher at Chapman University, PG&E is textbook. They answer to the state through the Public Utilities Commission, not their shareholders. Yes, shareholders may have some equity value and dividends, but revenues and profits are set and controlled by the Public Utilities Commission, who, as I, I, I believe, are, are unelected bureaucrats. Hence, whenever PG&E wishes to contribute vast sums of ratepayers' monthly payments to all the political process, all PG&E needs to do is gain permission to raise rates with the PUC to cover such contributions. Public shareholders and ratepayers have no say in the process. Is this a great system or what? Talk about incestuous. It's absolutely shocking. Uh, the good folks who run MapLight, which is a nonpartisan research organization that tracks money in politics, I, I am troubled sometimes by what f- liberty uh, brings forth. 
And that's part of the cost of liberty, and it's okay. The giant corporate contributions to the political process bother me, but there's very little that you can do to square that with the First Amendment. And or we have not found that sweet spot. But I love Maplite because they tell you who's bribing whom. And the guy from Maplite, David G. Newman, said the millions of dollars these companies spend to influence our government by the millions, I'm sorry, billions in additional profits coming out of the pockets of consumers. We need a political system where our lawmakers look out for consumers and voters instead of big campaign donors. Uh, Let's get down to the bottom line. Uh, These are uh, companies spending on politics between uh, the 29 and 10, that season, that fiscal year, and today. So it's the last eight, nine years. Uh, PG&E, campaign expenditures. Uh, you know what's interesting about this? I was talking about uh, they're trying to inf- influence the public discourse, and I was a little cynical on that point. Well, PG&E's campaign expenditures are over $64 million. Their general lobbying and PR is barely $10 million. $10 million. So it's six and a half times as much writing campaign checks. What does that tell you? For a total of $75 million. Well, Kaiser Permanente is about $46 million, interestingly enough. I don't know to what extent and in what way PG&E could be responsible for this horrifying fire, for instance. But you're certainly not going to find out when they're throwing that kind of money around. No, no. And they won't be held responsible in a significant way. The taxpayers will end up writing that check through higher rates and or higher taxes. Uh, San Diego Gas and Electric is a much smaller player at uh, $15.5 million. Edison International is just under $15 million. But uh, that's the way the game is played, my friends. So I don't believe we've ever talked to Linda McMahon, formerly of uh, Fake Wrestling, who ended up in Trump's administration. But real entertainment. And the uh, U.S. Small Business Administration Administrator. We're going to talk to her in a little bit. And one of the things I'd like to talk to Linda McMahon, she's making the rounds, talking about small businesses, which we're a big fan of here on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Absolutely. I'd just be kind of interested in what her theory would be on the whole Amazon thing. A lot of people have been making the argument, why doesn't a big city like New York throw that much money at a whole bunch of uh, little businesses? To get him to come into the city. Huh? I don't know what her opinion thousands is Thousands and thousands right, of right. little businesses. Anyway, that and other stuff on the way. Sleeping on the job at the VA. The plunge in gas prices and oil prices, which is kind of weird. Uh, stay tuned for all this coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We are big fans of small business around here. Boy, if you're an American, you better be a fan of small business because oh, yeah. that's what that's what drives the whole country. Yeah, and if you're not, wake up. Those are those those are the people that make the country uh, great in a lot of ways. I remember when Linda McMahon was appointed the U.S. Small Business Administration administrator. A great deal of merriment was made over her history. Uh, many many years with the uh, World Wrestling Federation became WWE. Um, but it, it, it strikes me as perfect. 
you got creativity, entrepreneurship, having to understand your audience, having to change with the times, having to deal with all sorts of dynamic personalities. Uh, it makes sense to me. And Linda McMahon joins us now. Linda, how are you? Good morning. I'm great, thank you. And thank you for having me on this morning. Oh, it's our pleasure. So how are you liking uh, working in the U.S. Small Business Administration? I like it very much. It's really taken, you know, the skills I, that I've learned over the years in growing a business, going through the ups and downs. And that's exactly what President Trump um, said to me when he asked me to take on this position. He said, I want somebody who's actually built a business and knows what it takes and can uh, walk the walk and talk the talk with our small business owners or potential small business owners. And so I'm uh, very happy to be in this position. What are the headwinds as you see them for uh, for small business in America, and maybe even particularly in California, which often ranks 50th for business climate? Well, I can tell you in general, in terms of the United States, uh, this is a great time for businesses. Uh, business optimism levels are high. Consumer confidence is high. In fact, higher than... Um, you know, the optimism for businesses uh, is higher than it's been in decades, according to the uh, NFIB and the research that they have done. And we have um, the opportunity through SBA to help small business owners get access to capital, provide them the mentoring services they need through our district offices, our uh, other professional service providers like SCORE, our women's business centers. Uh, SBDCs and our Veterans Outreach Centers. It's a great time in our country for entrepreneurs to start and grow their businesses. Well, as Jack said, we absolutely admire and value the entrepreneurs in our society. So these these hardworking people who have a dream, how do they get in contact with you? How do they learn what the uh, U.S. Small Business Administration offers? It's uh, really easy to remember, sba.gov. They can go on that site. There are so there's so much information on that site. It's where to get help. It's how to start a business. You can uh, sign up for different rep webinars that are on the site. It's just a wealth of information. That's sba.gov. And there are 68 district offices around the country. There is one uh, in Sacramento. There's one in uh, San Francisco. Uh, and I'm uh, actually I was at the district office in Sacramento yesterday. I'm on to San Francisco uh, later today. I'm visiting all 68 district offices. Uh, I will have completed that uh, tour. We call it the Ignite Tour by the end of this calendar year. Uh, and I'm ending up in Hawaii, so that's a great spot to uh, to end up. But I wanted to be on the ground, hearing from our district offices about what they need what programs are beneficial to our entrepreneurs, how can we improve, you know, what we're doing, and this is a valuable way also. No, 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 Linda, you're doing this completely wrong. You need to sit in Washington, D.C. and dictate (laughs) from the top down. No, that's not how it works. That's that's not the most effective way. And so, you know, I think SBA is uh, uh, the best-kept secret in the country, and that's why I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show and talk a little bit about it because, you know, you think SBA often, you think just about loans, but it is so much more than guaranteeing those loans. It is really providing the kind of mentorship that many entrepreneurs need. They don't know how to do a business plan or develop a marketing plan or how to get their website up and running. And so what SBA does is provide those kind of services at no charge. You can go to a district office or these other outreach areas that I mentioned, but sba.gov is the best place to go to get started. 
How much do you hear from small business owners about um, being happy that regulations are going the, the right way under Donald Trump? I can think of a couple of owners I know with small businesses that were so happy that some of the regulations that were making it so difficult for them to function have gone away under Trump. Well, that is part of this business optimism uh, that I was speaking about. It's the fact that the president has put through um, tax cuts, which help small businesses, big businesses and small businesses, as well as individuals. But it is allowing small businesses often to buy equipment that they wouldn't have been able to have done before because they can write it all off the year in which they buy it. And I've been uh, in several businesses where that was exactly the case. And the regulatory rollback uh, is allowing many businesses now to uh, just thrive. And when I've asked small businesses before, give me a particular regulation. They've, they've cited some things. They've, they've talked about the overtime rule, uh, you know, independent contractor status, et cetera. But they've also told me that, you know, it's not necessarily one particular regulation. It is the volume of regulations. Sure. and. Small businesses don't have, you know, a group of lawyers to help them with their compliance. And, um, Especially when I you're found, getting started, too. It'd be so hard to get yeah. off the ground when the margins are so small. You need a full-time staffer to deal with compliance. Hey, before we run out of time, and it's not every day we get to talk to a cabinet member, um, I would love it if I was starting a small business, and I could go to whatever city I'm going to start it in, and I could say, I would like to not have to pay any taxes, and I would like to be given some money for every employee I hire, and that would be fantastic, and they would look at me like, what are you talking about? However, Amazon just got to do that in uh, New York City in the D.C. area, and we've been reading these articles and listening to smart people talk. How do we feel as capitalists, free market capitalists, about one giant company getting the sort of breaks that a whole bunch of small companies wouldn't get? What's your opinion on that? Well, I have often found that when big business comes to town, small businesses also thrive because they are the ones that are providing the, um, you know, the pipelines uh, to the large businesses. Uh, when they come and they build uh, you know, their, their big headquarters, et cetera, small businesses do thrive and grow up around it. And it's generally very beneficial uh, to not only the surrounding community but to the state's in which these large businesses go. So while I think there's sometimes mixed feelings about that, in general, I think when big business comes to town, small businesses also can flourish. And if you can do this in 30 seconds, Linda, uh, I know you want feedback from business owners on what they need, what would help. Uh, Same uh, process, go to uh, uh, sba.gov? Yes, please go to sba.gov and uh, let us know. And and if I may get in a shameless plug, too, sure. on Saturday, November 24th, that is the Saturday after Thanksgiving, we're urging everyone to go in your local community and shop small because and all the small businesses that are there because when you shop in those businesses, over um, 60 cents of every dollar that is spent stays within the local community. Fabulous. Linda, I hate to jump in here, but we are up against a break. Linda McMahon, U.S. Small Business Administration Administrator. Enjoyed the chat very much. Thanks. What's coming up in your news, Marsha Phillips? Well, you got more on the Facebook delay, deny, and deflect report that was just released this morning. Senator, those are three good strategies. And Senator Jeff Flake drawing a line in the sand. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. of things that we got to uh, flush out, flush out. 
You flush out birds when you're hunting. Flush out? Am I flushing this out or flushing this out? I, are they birds or not? Let's These start are not there. birds. This is a story. You're fleshing. I'm fleshing? That sounds right. gross. Fleshing you're sounds disgusting. You're flesh. Ugh. I'm well, come up otherwise with a it's going to be a skeleton running around. I'm going to come up with a different word. Uh, the Wall Street Journal editorial board called the New York uh, Amazon thing crony capitalism at its worst. The Wall Street Journal editorial board. So we'll get into that more later. And this whole Facebook story is blown up, especially the battle between Facebook and uh, Tim Cook of Apple. So let's get into it all with Marshall Phillips. All right, we do have a new report out that now says Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer told a Democratic senator to back off on his criticism of Facebook in July. The New York Times says Schumer advised Virginia's Mark Warner to find ways to collaborate with the social media giant. Warner had been a leading critic uh, critic of Facebook over privacy concerns and Russian influence in the 2016 presidential election. And it turns out Schumer's daughter reportedly works for Facebook. New York Times also reporting Facebook security experts knew about Russian meddling in the 2016 presidential campaign well before the November election, during the same time that Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg was publicly calling Russian meddling a crazy idea. See, this is all just part of a story to me, or even maybe even a side story, to the fact that they're stealing your information and selling it to people and claiming they're not. So Zuckerberg, so there's a battle going on between Tim Cook of Apple and Zuckerberg of Facebook. Yeah. We saw a little of that on 60 Minutes on Sunday night. There's a couple of uh, comments being made this morning as Facebook has responded to this big New York Times story, right. and so has Tim Cook, but... You talk, they get lumped together, the people that are at the top of the tech industries. They're completely different animals. What Mm -hmm. Tim Cook is up to and what Mark Zuckerberg are up to, for instance, completely different worlds. And Tim Cook does not like it any more than I do what the Facebooks and Googles of the world are trying to do. Screw us all is what they're trying to do. Make money off of our private information is what they're trying to do. And hide it and lie about it. What's Apple hiding and lying about? Nothing that that I can even imagine. Zuckerberg's just a he's he's a bad person. When are we all going to wake up to this? He's just a bad person and a bad uh, a bad person on the scene, on the American scene. Certainly what he has wrought is mostly bad. Um the the I have no idea what percentage of people actually care at all about their privacy. Well, you know, I I hate to be an elitist, but those of us who understand why it's a big deal need to look out for you. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Well, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? Pe- and the fa- how about the fact that he's lying it, about it? Don't resent you saying that because they understand. <laughs> how about the fact that he's lying about it? He's not being out and proud and saying, no, you don't care. I'm using your dad and sell it to other people. You don't care. He's pretending he doesn't know all right. the time all this stuff. Right. I didn't know the Russians were involved at all. He's a liar. Switching gears, quick update. The number of dead from the California wildfires rose yesterday by nine, 59 statewide now, all but three of them from the campfire in Northern California with at least 130 people still missing. Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke and Governor Brown visited the town of Paradise that was destroyed by the campfire, the Interior Secretary observing. This is my fourth trip to California. Unfortunately, every trip this year has been forest fires. And each trip, I say this is the worst fire I've seen. And now we're here today, and this is the worst fire I have seen. 
Switching gears, Senator Jeff Flake is drawing a line in the sand. Flake says he is going... Running for president <laughs> you think and looking for a publicity stunt. So you think that's what it's about? Yeah. Yeah, I just... Honestly, it would be a disaster. A, I, a, a nightmare if Trump were to end the Mueller probe. I guess we it should... It would be an explosion. I guess we should do the story before we do our commentary for anybody who's listening and doesn't know what we're talking about. Says you. <laughs> Flake. Um, I started into the commentary before Marshall yeah, did go the ahead, story. Marshall. Flake Speak said, up for God's sake, Marshall. Finish. <laughs> Flake says he is going to vote against any new federal judges unless the Senate protects special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation. We've had hearings for um, 21... Uh, they're awaiting action, uh, some of them tomorrow, and uh, they will not receive my vote. And uh, with the margins we have in the Judiciary Committee, it means that they will not move forward. There you so go. now, like a Quentin Tarantino movie, let's go back to where we were inexplicably. <laughs> yeah. So he's going to hold back a couple of dozen of judges getting approved because he believes there needs to be legislation protecting <laughs> Mueller, which nobody else seems to think it really needs to happen. No. The Republican leadership of the Senate says, no way, you're not ending the Mueller probe. It would be terrible. The Republican leadership of the House says, oh, please, no, 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 no. The nation's assembled media say, no way. Polls overwhelmingly show, even though people are not a fan of the Mueller probe, that Trump should not end it on his own. It's not even close. Politically, he'd be, he'd be done. Yeah, it would be, from Trump's perspective, a, a, a elephantine negative. And everybody knows it. And so trying to whip... And listen, y'all's watching CNN, MSNBC, the Alphabet Networks, whatever. You've been convinced that this is that there's an imminent threat. Trump is just... He's got his knife out and he just he's up behind Mueller and he's just waiting for a chance to plunge it in. It's not going to happen. So, yeah, Flakes, it's a publicity stunt. Hasbro is introducing Monopoly for Millennials with the tagline, Adulting is Hard. The game makers trying to lure millennials like Positive Sean by telling them they deserve a break from the rat race. The, uh, and you're doing this with dice and cardboard and yes, paper? Yes, I have a yes, computer. all three of them. <laughs> the new Monopoly game is sold out, but judging by Twitter reaction, many millennials are annoyed by it. Play pieces include an actual hashtag. Oh, my God. Actual <laughs> hashtag included with game. That's great. It's that's called not, an Octothorpe. That, that's not trying too hard at all. I don't think. Having a hashtag is one of the game pieces. I think this is where I'm supposed to stop, step up and say something demeaning to millennials. The original Monopoly is so damned boring. Anything they can do to make it appeal to anyone under the age of 80 is a good idea. I wish them well. How did that ever Thanks for ca- taking my money, asshole. How did Monopoly ever That's catch what up? I say when I hit to go to jail. I don't... I played a... I've, I would be shocked, I'll bet, if I could know how many hours I've spent playing Monopoly. But how many games did you finish? None. And I don't believe I ever enjoyed a minute of it. <laughs> right. You guys don't have it in you to become the, the, the railroad barons of the B&O. I played it a lot. It's the short line. I don't right. think it was ever fun is the thing. <laughs> That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. You don't get joy out of driving your friends into bankruptcy? <laughs> right. Over a, only 9 to 11 hours? <laughs> Well, you're not invited to my risk parties either. (laughs) You know, I was in Pennsylvania visiting some dear friends of ours uh, a year, year and a half ago, and came across the Reading Railroad. There you go. Not the Reading, but the Reading (laughs) Railroad, which was uh, a a monopoly space um, in Reading, Pennsylvania. Reading Railroad, I'll buy it. It's Reading. (laughs) 
So you get the one, the rent's 50. But if you get all four, then it's up to 200. Then you're on your yeah. way, baby. Then you can ruin your friends. <laughs> By this time tomorrow, I'll be in the lead. <laughs> I've certainly ruined my friends' evenings before, but I've never ruined them completely. Uh. The Wall Street Journal is in agreement with Shi Guevara on what? this whole Amazon thing. How interesting. Yeah. And uh, and Tucker Carlson, all three of them together, and none of them like each other. <laughs> but uh, so that's got to mean something, doesn't it? Indeed. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The day Michael Avenatti was arrested on domestic abuse charges yesterday, felony domestic abuse, and um, I'm going to afford him something he didn't afford, for instance, Judge Kavanaugh, and that is the benefit of the doubt and the idea that I don't have any idea who's telling the truth or who's not. I guess due process will figure that out. This woman that claims he beat her up could be as crazy as that chick he represented with the whole game gang rape story she turned out to be a nut job is that old julie sweatnick or, yeah and then there was another gal who was even nuttier that barely got any traction or at he, all but. or he could be a secret monster like a harvey weinstein that no who knew you know I, yeah. I don't know which and i'm willing to wait and find out but it is worth keeping in mind that he was part of the you must always believe the women crowd just a couple of weeks ago brow beating all of us on that theme He's also a, well, I was going to say rich, but he could be broke soon. He's getting sued successfully all over the place. But he's a swinging celebrity um, who's who's known to have rather an active dating life uh, and consorts with porn stars. It's entirely possible he ran into a crazy woman, which is why we respect the allegations and we investigate them uh, carefully and respect the presumed innocence of folks. Experts are calling the drop in gas prices over the last couple of days bewildering. I don't know how it's bewildering since it's easy to understand. Oil, Would you like me to explain? <laughs> oil has been going down week after week after week after week, 12 weeks in a row, I think. It's at, at near record lows. What's the opposite of bewildering? Wildering? Right. This is wildering. This is a totally wildering drop in prices. What was bewildering to me up until a couple of days ago is why gas was hanging on at such a high price no, when oil be, kept dropping. It'd be dewildering. Hmm. This is a dewildering development. I anyway, am no longer wildered. Uh, price of oil going down is not good for Russia, not good for Iran, not good for Saudi Arabia, not good for a lot of bad guys in the world. So, fine with me, uh, as if I have any control over it. Um, it's not super duper for us either, but we can handle it while we put the squeeze on others. They can't find anybody who wants the next Olympic Games because everybody's figured out that building all these... Uh, giant stadiums and everything like that is a net loss for your city. So everybody's saying, nah, I don't really want the Olympics. Another dewildering story. It's no secret that, or it's no surprise that the last several Olympics have been in China, Russia, Brazil, 
And wasn't one of them in the uh, was North Korea? Or no, it was the Korea one, right? Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so most of those are not necessarily your most above board governments that they are dealing with. Right. Several of them. You're either a dictatorship or somebody who really, really wants global PR. Yes. Which I think was North Korea's story. You put it up to a vote, and people say, "Nah, well, from what I see, this is not a good idea for us to build all these stadiums and you know a world class Olympic pool at a cost of a, a whatever, however many billion dollars that we're never going to use." Right. In many cases. Um, this story from Page USA Today is troubling. Nurses napping at <laughs> VA home. Staffers at the Department of Veterans Affairs Nursing Home in Brockton, Massachusetts, rated among the worst VA nursing homes in the entire country, knew this spring that they were under scrutiny and that federal investigators were coming to visit looking for signs of patient neglect. Still. When investigators arrived, they didn't have to look very far. They found a nurse and a nurse's aide fast asleep during their shifts. Taking a nap. One dozing in a darkened room. The other was uh, wrapped in a blanket in the locked cafeteria. The sleeping staffers became a focal point of a new scathing internal report about the patient care at that particular facility um, and how it affects the overall VA system. But they knew they were under the microscope, that they had been found out as being terrible. They knew inspectors were coming at some point. Still, they were willing to sleep during the day. Oorah to the IG office. Way to uncover that stuff. And I hate to take the... I'm not a cynic. I'm a skeptic. Um, I hate to take the, the highly skeptical view, but tell me again in six months what's happening there. Will people be fired? Will people truly be disciplined? Will the no. culture change? No. You know, if you're a sports fan, you understand it. You have a team that is a loser. It is a loser for years. It has a loser culture and then it takes a real house cleaning to bring in new folks and and any vestiges of the bad habits and the bad attitudes have to be swept out like you know you're getting the norovirus off a cruise ship and then you can have a winner but that's what it takes often well, and obviously they're not real scared if you're sleeping on the job when you know an inspection's coming and you're under the microscope like that they're not real worried about it and how many other people were aware that they're sleeping on the job, and I'm sure there's a lot more that goes with the you're willing to sleep all day long. Um, but how many people would be aware of that? And they weren't they weren't saying anything to anybody either because it's like you said it's part of the culture. Right, right. Patient neglect, blatant disregard for veterans. The inspector said, "This has been going on now for how many years? This is obviously way back before Trump was elected mm-hmm. when the story first broke at the VA." Still going on. Unfreaking believable. And so much of it has to do with the fact that you just can't fire these people. Right. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about the operation here. And, you know, granted, media, I don't know if you've read this in the papers, it's a challenging time for a lot of media. Uh, everybody's running lean and mean. Some places more lean, some places more mean. Um, but I want you to picture where you work, where you spend your time. Is it a place where people could get away with not doing their job on a consistent basis? How how can they get away with that? Who knows and doesn't care why isn't there accountability? Or why is there? Why is it impossible for that to happen where you work? Then compare and contrast that to uh, the federal government or the state government in whatever state you live. 
And and the more you learn about it, the more striking the contrast becomes. And the less you think, well, they'll bring us a utopia if we just give them more power and money. This has been going on for years, as we mentioned. So the VA has 133 nursing homes. This latest report shows that 45 of those nursing homes still receive the lowest score you can get for quality. Good Lord. Give me those numbers again. There are 133 total. 45 of them still get the lowest score you can get. Do you remember our new policy? For patient care. You remember our new policy? Obviously, I don't. <laughs> or I would have done it. I forgot it myself. If it makes you grin, leave it in. No, no, Michael. That is a good it's policy, though. You tell us why the number counts, or why the number matters, before you give us the number. Yeah. I've, my whole life, I've always been given the number first. That's just dumb. Everybody does that. that one, I'm not harassing I, you. Everybody does that. Then when I tell you what it is, you, you think, okay, that, that's really something. Did what you was know, the number again? Out of the 385 veteran centers, only 126 have live octopuses roaming through the halls, <laughs> assaulting the residences. You're thinking, what? Wait, how many now? <laughs> Everybody does the same thing. But again, so there are 103 total across the country. 45 of them still receive the lowest score they've got for quality. It is down from 58 a couple of years ago. So then you were getting up, you know, close to half. But uh, it's still just ridiculous. And I, again, you can't fire people. They don't put up with this in the private sector. You get fired. You know, I just I just want to apologize to America's veterans and their families. I'm sorry. We're trying over here. You know, we have limited effect. Um, I'm sorry you were lied to. I'm sorry your, your family was lied to. I'm sorry your dad, who was passed on now, was, was lied to. I don't I don't know what to do except to keep howling about it. Which is sexier to women? New study shows is it the light stubble or the full beard? Which do women like more? Mm. Uh, Stay tuned for that those results. You know, we'll keep yelling. You keep voting for people who actually hold government accountable. Please. And if you get the award-winning fourth hour, we're going to talk to Jeff Fowler about uh, cameras and phones and how that's changed the way we take pictures, and it's kind of weird. In some crazy ways. Yeah. What's it say about human beings? All that's on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show.